Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. All right, welcome back. Parker's MMA Show, episode 75. We have a very special guest today, Cody Brundage. Cody is a 6-1 and one pro MMA fighter who has competed at both middleweight and 205 pounds. His most recent win came in February, where he finished Joseph Cropshot by arm triangle choke in the third round. He is the baddest man in the history of Newberry College, Parker. Cody, <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. I wish, bro. I'm not sure. Newberry College has got some bad dudes that have come through it, bro. Corey Anderson wrestled there for like four years. Uh, Cody Garbrandt actually went there for a semester. So I'll take the, the title for sure. Uh, but there's definitely some studs that have come through. Hey, man, you got to take them where you could get them at this point in your career. You're you're still six and one. If someone's telling you you're the baddest man around, you got to take that at this point. Oh, when you start oh, getting that, in those top oh, ten, you can start arguing. That'll go on my man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cody, I want to start here at the beginning. You, you grew up in South Carolina, right? Talk a little bit about what it was like growing up. Like, what is your hometown like? So I'm from a super small town in South Carolina. Uh, I lived on the water. I had four brothers and a sister growing up, and my cousins all lived probably like three, four minutes away. So it was it was chaos in my house at all times. Uh, I grew up playing all sports, football, wrestling, swimming, uh, in a super competitive house. My mom was an Olympic athlete. My dad played college baseball. My you know my, my stepdad was college baseball. My dad was special forces. So pretty athletic and like outgoing family uh and it was definitely one of those situations where you were outside until the lights went out and then you'd have to come home what does that kind of upbringing teach you i mean you're like one of the more unique athletic backgrounds right like there's not too many football swimming wrestling guys who end up doing mma so yeah. what what does that what does that teach you that you kind of carry with you today that that kind of competitive drive um i think it just taught me a lot about beating myself. You know, like your biggest competition is yourself. Like it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. Uh, Cause in a lot of like, so with swimming and wrestling, you know, they're team sports, but they're mostly individual, you know, like for the most part, you're going to have individual success on the team back to carry you. And then I had football to kind of give me that team uh, atmosphere that was full team sport. Um, so I think just being competitive in different arenas like that, knowing your responsibility, and then, like I said, competing with myself every day is kind of what what it really taught me. So you're a standout athlete, you know, growing up in high school. How do you end up at Newbury College? Uh, so actually, I got recruited by a few schools to wrestle and play football in college. Um, the Citadel is a school. It's in Charleston, South Carolina. It's kind of like a military academy. Uh, they recruited me to wrestle, and the day I was going to sign my letter of intent to them, the Newberry called me. And Newberry was literally like 30 minutes guys all the time. I uh, was really close with the coach at the time, and, and they were a top 10 team in Division Two consistently, right? Like they were powerhouses. They were beating a lot of D1 teams in the top 20. So as soon as he called me, he's like, hey, you want to come wrestle for us? I was like, yeah, give me a second. I called the Citadel coach. was like, hey, man, sorry. I'm changing up. Uh, I'm going to Newberry. Sign my letter of intent the next day. 
So it, I, I didn't really have to be sold on it too much. I was already kind of uh, with the culture there and like knew what it was like. I uh, knew if they ever offered me, that's where I'd want to go. So what was the biggest lesson you took from your college career there or just wrestling in general? Uh, so the biggest lesson I took was that uh, I can catch a lot of people. When I got there, I was a walk-on. I wasn't on any money. I'd never won state in South Carolina, which traditionally isn't a great wrestling state. Um, but when I got there, I knew like if I just bust my ass and work really hard, I'm a good enough athlete that I can catch these guys. Um, and I ended up doing that by my third year I was starting. And then my last two years, I qualified for the NCAA tournament, um, made the round of 12, which is one round from being an all American. And then, uh, was finally on scholarship money by the end of my career. So it really taught me, and it's the same for MMA. I feel like in terms of, I might not be the best guy in the room, but I'll outwork everybody and eventually I'll catch you. So tell us a little bit about the early transition to MMA. What did that look like? Uh, so I immediately after college, I moved to Michigan, uh, and I was coaching a division three wrestling team up there, all of that college. So I would, uh, coach wrestling during the days and I would train in the morning and I would train at night. And, uh, the gym I was at, there was no one there in the mornings except for this female fighter. Uh, she was in the UFC. Um, I didn't know anything about her at the time. So I go and I'm training. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I'd obviously follow the sport, but that doesn't mean you know how to throw a punch or anything, right? So I'd go in, I'd hit the bag or whatever, and this girl would keep coming up and she's like, hey, let's work on this. Let's do this. Let's work on this. I'm like, this girl, like, she was like, a, she fought 115. So I was like, she's not telling me what to do right now, right? Like, there's no way. She'd, like, make fun of me. She's like, you're not good. Like, we got to figure this out. So fast forward to now, that's my life. You know, so she was coaching me in the mornings, giving me private lessons, holding pads for me. And then, I, like I said, I go wrestle. I come back and do team class with everyone else. But for the most part, she was the one really developing me as a fighter uh, in the beginning. And uh, I think, like, I've been training for maybe, like, two, three months. And she called me. I was, at, I was actually uh, on the road with the team. And she's like, hey, I got a fight offer for you in Ohio. And I was like, cool, when? She's like, this weekend. I'm like, word, whatever. So... So I did that fight, knocked the kid out in 12 seconds, and then I was just hooked from there. So obviously, you know, it's easy to see kind of, you know, you knock someone out in 12 seconds. It's easy to catch the bug, right? So you, you kind of go on to have this kind of a very decorated amateur career, right? But we all know that's the Wild West of MMA when you get in those amateur fights, right? So what's your craziest story from your amateur career? Uh, so I was fighting, I got a fight in Ohio. I think it was my second amateur fight. And um, I was like, yeah, sure, let's go do it. I get there and it's in uh, like a carnival barn. This is weird. And then I'm like, well, where can I go warm up? And like, here, we got a room for you in here. I go back to this room. It's me, Bobby, uh, and Colin England. Those are the three guys I had with me. My coach was uh, Corner and Josh Parisian in LFA that week in Minnesota. So, uh, we t take us back to this thing. This barn is covered with like horse shit. There's trash everywhere. There's like maybe a like four by four space to warm up, like around tractors and everything. I'm like, right. So, that was probably my craziest story from amateurs. Me and Colin were just looking at each other like, what are we doing here, man? We got a kid out as fast as possible. But it's definitely, like you said, the wild, wild west. You know, there's a ton of promotions nowadays and like, 
uh, back in the day, it wasn't as much like that. You, you kind of had a few established places and, and now everyone's throwing shows. So you get a little bit more of that for sure. So at, at what point in your career, Cody, did you kind of link up with Factory X and Mark Montoya? I had, uh, Originally, I linked up with them pretty early. I was still in my amateur career. And Bobby had, was fighting on a UFC Denver card that Cerrone and uh, Mike Perry fought each other on. And we had come out here, and she had hit him up uh, to train while we were out here. And so I met him through that, and he just always stayed me. You know, we had a good relationship uh, me and Colin got the call for contenders last year, and we we're like, oh, let's go back out to that gym. You know, there's really good training partners. It's one of the best gyms in the country. Um, let's go out there. So we went out there, and by the end of the week, we're like, hey, let's try to figure out how we can do camps here, right? Like, we'll come back for eight weeks at a time. And basically, so we went to the coach's office. We're like, hey, here's what we're thinking. And he's like, well, here's what I'm thinking, because we're not going to do that. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't want people to come just do camps. He's always like, it's not fair. Like you're here for your camp and then a guy needs you and you're gone. It just creates drama. Right. So he's like, you can either come out here for 40 weeks at like 40 weeks out of the year or move here. And so I talked it over with my wife, talked it over with Colin. We're like, all right, we're moving. So within a week I found someone to rent my house in Michigan, found a place out here to stay. We loaded up the budget truck and moved out here and it was nuts, bro. So that was almost a year ago. That was June of last year. Uh, um, so it's been almost a year that I've been full-time training, but I've been, I've known them for probably three, four years. So you're a guy who's played sports your whole life, right? You, you've had a lot of coaches. What's Mark Montoya like as a coach? <laughs> uh, Mark's intense and, uh, he's not going to ever bullshit you, you know, and, and that's kind of what I need. And, and that's kind of what I've had throughout college. And he's going to let you know what you need to do. And he's going to hold you accountable. You're not at practice. He's knocking on your door. Or he's calling you on the phone and figuring out what's going on. If he's not here, which because we have so many UFC guys, you know, he's gone for traveling with the guys or whatever. But he would hit me up. We have so many good coaches there that he'd hit me up and be like, "Hey, Coach Scotty said that this is what happened. What's going on?" And I'm like, "Damn, bro, I can't get away with anything, right? Like, there's no, there's no slipping up because he's got eyes and ears everywhere." And the structure and the culture of the gym that he's built is his baby. And he's not going to let anyone ruin that. And he's going to hold you to a standard that I don't think is very common at MMA gyms. You know, I think a lot of MMA gyms, you can slack off a little bit. You can, you can do your own thing. You can show up like, here's what I'm doing. That's not how it is at Factory X. You know, it's very strict and structured. And, and that's what I need. I thrive in an environment like that. So it's great. But, yeah, Coach Mark's intense. You know, you don't want to be on his bad side. And to that same token, Cody, I mean, what's it like, you know, you're a young fighter, seven fights into your pro career. You fought at 185, you fought at 205. Like, what's it like being around a guy like Anthony Smith, who's literally fought the best of the best in the two divisions that you fight in? Yeah, it's awesome. You know, it's a great measuring stick. I get to go with him all the time. You know, when he's in town, I'm his main training partner. So we get really good work in and he's kind of taken under his wing in terms of not just fighting, but how to build relationships, you know, how you treat people in this sport. And, and you've seen him. He's a very successful fighter, but he's gone on to have success in other aspects in terms of, like, his podcast, radio show, working the desk for ESPN. And, you know, that's really the dream for someone who wants to make it in this sport is, you know, fighting isn't a long-term career. So you want to make good money and do all right and have success, but you want to be able to parlay that into – future success where you're not getting beat on because at 40 years old you don't want to be the guy fighting 
a 27-year-old up-and-comer who wants to take your head off. You know, at least I don't. So you got to find a way to get people right and, and, and build those relationships to, to put yourself in a position to be successful after fighting. Cody, who's someone in that gym right now that you think is underrated and that doesn't get enough attention? Josh Fremd, 100%. Josh Fremd, he's fighting for the LFA belt this week. I can't say enough good things about Josh Fremd. He's an animal. He can knock anyone out. He's got good wrestling, good grappling, great striking. I think that kid should be in the UFC, and I think he could compete with the top 15 in the UFC today. And, uh, I mean, he gets good praise, and, and people know who he is, but I, I still think it's understated how good that kid is. Get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's an animal. Yeah, let's get back to your career. So you start your pro career 5-0, and uh, four finishes in less than a year. When you look back at that stretch of fights, um, what stands out to you the most? Uh, I think activity. I think I, I never took a break to really skill build. I just was like, I'd win a fight, and I'm like, all right, let's get another fight. I'd win a fight, and I'm like, let's get another fight. I never was really taking the time to build the skills in between fights. And I think it kind of – um, you know, going in that contender series fight, I, I was I wasn't as well rounded as I needed to be. Um, I still almost won that fight. I put myself in a good position, but I just wasn't I wasn't in the spot that I needed to, even if I had won that compete in the UFC. If that makes sense, like I wouldn't have been confident going into the UFC. I think uh, part of it is just the way things have worked out. Is these last. This last year and a half, I've had a lot more time in between fights, and I think it's allowed me to have a lot more growth. I think you've seen that. Like, if you go from my contender series fight to my last fight, it's like a completely different guy. And, you know, my next fight, I'm sure I'll be even more growth. So I think the time in between fights is something I really took for granted and, and wasn't doing what I needed to do there. I wanted to ask you about that growth, Cody. What do you think is the biggest change that you've made, you know, kind of between your your latest win in the William Knight fight? Um, I think a lot of it was my perception of what I'm doing. Um, I, I, I've definitely learned a lot of skills, but I think it was just being comfortable and the perception that uh, I put a lot of weight on what I was doing. And not that I don't now, but it's just a different perspective for me. Like I, uh, I'm a dad now, and I, I think your priority sometimes when fighting is the only thing that you're doing it's tough, right? Like, cause you're everything that you are is defined by your fights and the results of those fights. And now I have some other things going on. So my perspective, you know, if I lose a fight and I'm still a great dad, I'm doing all right. If I lose a fight and I'm still a great husband, I'm doing all right. And a lot of that's been Mark. A lot of that's been Anthony and, and, and just having that perspective allows me to fight, fight a little bit more free, a little bit more comfortable, um, and, and be okay with whatever happens and not put so much pressure on, this is the only way you can win or this is what you have to do to be successful and just know if I go out there and, and do everything that we've been working, I'll be all right. And even if I take a loss or, or something happens, I'm going to be all right. No matter what allows me to be able to be more free when I, I fight, which I wasn't before, you know, that William Knight fight, I took that guy down immediately. You can see the stress almost from the minute that fight starts. And then that last fight, it's like a different guy. Like I said, there's not any stress there the whole week whole fight week i was pretty calm cool collected i didn't feel like overwhelmed which a lot of times i did but previous to that um so it's just been a lot of mindset shift and and just seeing where i'm at and knowing that i'm gonna be all right so as someone who used to put that kind of pressure on yourself and that kind of pressure on your fight career right 
What was it like when you got the call to be on the Contender Series? Uh, it was awesome to get the call. I definitely expected it, though. You know, I'm signed with Iridium. They're probably the best sports agents for MMA fighters, I think, in the game right now. Definitely top two, at least. And they put guys in the show all the time. And they told me straight up, when I signed with them, you get to 5-0, and know you're going to be on the show. So that's part of the reason I had so much activity early is because I had hit that 5-0 and benchmark to get into the – get an opportunity. Uh, so I was really excited. I knew who William was before I got the call, too. You know, I, I'm like – super obsessed with everybody around my way, anyone that I could possibly fight. So I had already looked around and seen like, these are some possibilities. Um, but yeah, I was, I was stoked for sure. I was excited. I was nervous. Cause I was like, Oh shit, it's time to do the thing. You know, like you finally got this opportunity that you've been begging for. It's time to make it happen. Um, but you know, there was definitely, it was a mix of emotions, very happy, very nervous, but also like knew like, okay, this is what we thought was going to happen. So obviously, as someone who follows the sport that closely and follows your weight class that closely, you know, the only two guys to ever finish you in your MMA career, Dalton Rasta, William Knight, combined record of 14 and two. Right. So, you know, a couple guys that don't lose very often. Um, yeah. When when you have a night like that. Right. And we know they happen to everyone in this sport. Do you follow that fighter and kind of root for them or do you just try and put it out of your mind completely? Um, I don't necessarily, I guess I follow him. Yeah, I do. I follow him. I want him to win because it makes the loss look not as bad, I guess. Um, and then a little piece of you wants him to get knocked out. Cause you're like, well, you took like me and Dalton have a pretty good relationship. I still talk to a decent amount. He still talks to me a decent amount. I think part of that is cause it was amateurs and there wasn't as implication. Uh, night and I don't really talk. You know, I hope I wish him the best. I'm not in that weight class anymore, so it's easier to, you know, root for him and hope he gets wins and and whatever. But yeah, you definitely you definitely follow and see. You know, if you see like him beating a bunch of people, you're like, okay, well, I was there with him, and I can maybe replicate this when I get there too, which gives you a little bit of confidence. So definitely follow for sure. And my last question before I turn it over to Parker, you mentioned it before, but. You're a father. I don't think there's very many kids out there right now who have two parents who are professional MMA fighters. How do you guys balance that? How do you handle it? And kind of how do you and your wife, uh, you know, handle the while also having a child? Um, I think we do a good job of uh, turning off to get home. You know, we try to be tough in the gym, uh, hard work, hard work. And then when we get home, we dad and husband and that's kind of we've done a good job of that before the baby even got here because uh even being a couple that both fight you know sometimes that can be tough because your coach your teammate partner and you add husband and wife to that it's tough so we've always tried to kind of separate that a little bit it's not, or you can here it is. so Talk. Up, I ask all the guys about this, but talk a little bit about kind of the mental aspect of the game. I've heard you in, in interviews, you know, talking about the nerves and all that good stuff leading up to fight and, and fight day. Um, and kind of what kind of things do you do on a continual basis to try to improve that side of your game? Um, yeah, so the mental game is huge, right? Like, it's, it's probably the biggest factor, I think, once you get to the highest level. Like, everyone has talent. Right, everyone has the ability. It's just the mental part of things that can separate people. 
Um, for me, I started journaling a lot, uh, just kind of writing down like what I was feeling, what was going on and, and why that might be a thing. And then I could go back like, a, like for my next, so for my last fight, for the William Knight fight, I journaled the whole week, right? And then my last fight, I went back and looked at it and was like, well, I, this, uh, you know what I mean? You compare and, and contrast, like, well, what might be different about why? And then you try to implement that, like, to make your game better. And then I also, we always have a book of the month at Factory X, which I think is just good to keep your mind sharp. You know, we're always training our bodies and, and physically training, but I don't think enough people train their minds. And, and I think that was something I started doing this year that's helped a lot, just keeping up with my reading. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is just put, having someone around you if you can't, which I struggle to, so I need people around me help you just put things in perspective uh that's been huge for me is just changing my perspective on on fighting and, and what it means and um what success is in this sport and, and things like that and so that's been a huge thing to have guys like mark and anthony and dustin jacoby and uh my wife and, and just people that i trust and, and think are successful tell me you know here's what it is and, and how we work towards just being uh more complete in that aspect so what's the best or most important lesson you've learned along this martial arts journey so far? Uh, I think the most important lesson I've learned is that I can do things. Uh, I can take a different route than most people and be successful and enjoy what I'm doing and, and have a life with passion that I, that feels fulfilling to me and other people might have a different, um, definition of success but that doesn't necessarily define my success i think growing up you know my parents were pretty successful um and fighting like where i'm from is just not a thing right like nobody's doing that so uh yeah i think it was a it, it showed me that i can go on my own path i can go my own way and i can be successful no matter what you know and and that was big for me like i said i grew up in a big family that all lived close to each other and when i moved away i was on my own in a way and so I proved a lot to myself that, like, you can make it and you can make it your way, right? Like, you can be successful on your own path. Right. Um, I asked this to all the guys, too, but what, what is – obviously, you're committed to this lifestyle. This is your profession. What is the most challenging thing about living the life of a, of a professional fighter? And then on the other hand, what is one of your favorite things about the lifestyle? Uh, I think some of the most difficult things are – uh, I think maybe there's a perception out there that fighters are like living this glamorous lifestyle. And that's just not the case. You guys know, like on the regional level, you're not making really any money. Uh, it's tough. You know, when you have a family at home, you're trying to provide for you. You have to balance that uh, your role as the provider and your role as, okay, I want to chase this passion. So, you know, a lot of guys are working full-time jobs. Like I'm working a full-time job and fighting. Um, so that's tough. Uh, the best things are, or like I said, I live a life that is on my terms and I'm passionate about and I enjoy and uh, it makes me proud. It makes my wife proud. It makes my friends and family proud. And and, uh, and that's something that I think is important for me, but it's also important for like my daughter growing up. I want her to know like you should chase your passions and chase your dreams, even if other things get hard because you do that. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like that's an okay thing. It's okay for life to be a little hard if you want to chase your dreams and chase your path because life is a little hard and this sport forces you to chase it down regardless of that 
So talk a little bit about your daily routine. Obviously, you're both professional fighters. You say you're still working a full-time job and training, you know, with some of the best fighters in the world. What does that daily routine look like and raising a baby? <laughs> like today, I'll wake up around like 7 with the baby. Me and my wife both wake up with her. And I try to hang out with her in the morning because I don't see her much in the afternoon. So we'll hang out. I leave for practice around 9.15, get there, stretch out everything, practices from 10 to 12. Uh, shower at the gym, then head to work. I get to work around 12.45, and I get done with work around 12.45. So, uh, you know, it's a long day for sure. It's not uh, it's not the most fun. Uh, but like I said, you know, it's worth it to go chase these dreams and chase my passions. And it, and it makes you appreciate the time you have with your family and the time you have you know, with her, it's tough because, like, my family was just in town for a week, so I took the week off work. And then going back to work, you're like, damn, I miss my kid. I miss my wife. It sucks. It's like snap back to reality. But, uh, you know, it'll be worth it when you're in the UFC and you're making that money, and, and then you can have more freedom with your time and things like that. Talk about things like, like recovery. Like, what kind of things do you do for recovery? Obviously, you're, you know, getting the shit beat out of you. You're going going after it in the morning, and then you go work a full day. What do you what do you do kind of during the day to to stay in shape and kind of recover? So I'm super fortunate. I'm sponsored by uh, a company called Wellness Labs, um, and they pretty much do anything I need. They have chiropractor, uh, they have physical therapists that take care of me whenever, and then they also give me C- like CBD products, which help a lot. Um, and then you know, coming from a wrestling background, you know, I don't do a ton like i don't do other than those guys i'm not doing all that much recovery it's like a grind all the time and i'm one of those guys like and it's not a good thing right like colin england always gets on my ass like he's great about his recovery he's like you need to do this you need to do this i'm like bro i just don't i don't need to do any of it which i do right but i'm not good about it so like uh i'll be a guy that's like how do you feel today and i could feel like pretty good and i'll be like oh i'm all right or i could feel pretty bad and i'll be like oh, i'm all right you know i mean it's not like a sliding scale for me so uh, yeah, I mean, I have those guys for sure and they help me, but typically like they get pissed at me cause I'm only in there when it's like, I'm hurt. Right. Like I'll go in there and be like, Hey, I, I fucked something up. And they're like, Oh, all right, good. We'll, we'll fix it, I guess. But like maybe come before we can prevent some of this stuff. I'm like, I ah, no time for that. So, uh, you know, I, that's something I definitely need to work on. But like I said, you know, I'm pretty busy and, and, uh, it's tough until you get like Colin's in the UFC. Right. So he's a full-time fighter. He gets paid enough to do that. I'm like, bro, I'm at work. I can't miss work to go do recovery, right? I just have to figure it out. And so, you know, that's what you're doing as a regional fighter. And I'm not the only one, you know, that's most regional fighters. So it's just finding that balance and and trying to make it work. So talk a little bit. We're about halfway through the year here. Talk a little bit about your goals for the rest of the year, both in MMA and maybe a couple personal goals. Um. Well, obviously, you know, I got a fight booked right now. I got kind of quiet about it. Um, news will come soon, hopefully. But, yeah, that'll be towards the end of the year, like third quarter. Um, once that news drops, that's big news for me and for where I'm going. You know, I want to be in the UFC by the end of the year. This lines me up nicely to do that. Uh, personally, uh, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I want to be, you know, have spend time with my daughter, obviously, and, and maybe travel a little bit with the wife, get home a couple times. But my personal goals are pretty much centered around fighting and, and getting to that UFC, kind of getting into the big show. So 
you know, like I said, this fight's going to be big for me and, uh, you know, hopefully get a little bit of redemption and, and, you know, make my dreams come true. And then, and then from there, you know, crush it on into 2022. You could tell us the fight news, Cody. <laughs> Nobody listens to this, right? It's just, a, it's just the three of us. So, you know, if you want to let us know, yeah. dude, nobody, you know, it's just like Parker's brother. Um, he's the only listener. Um, well, trust me, I want, tell, I want to tell everyone. I want to go up to the rooftops and shout it, but I got to wait and, and be, you know, do it by the book. So I wish, bro. I wish I could tell you guys. Is it is it UFC or bust for you, or will you entertain other offers? I mean, I'll, I mean, if it's if it can support my family, I'll entertain whatever. But you know, UFC is obviously the goal, and, and that's what I've been shooting for for a long time, and that's where I want to be. So hopefully, we can make that happen. If not, though, like I said, if it's supporting what I'm about to do, then I got no issues with that. So I got I got one more here uh, before we do our rapid fire segment. So, Cody, in your opinion, what is the biggest issue in modern MMA and how would you fix it? The biggest issue in modern MMA. There's a lot of issues. The biggest issue. Shit. The biggest issue for sure is fighter pay across the board. I think, you know, if you look at these other uh, promotions and what the fighters are getting paid, um, it's still not great. Like everyone likes to rag on the UFC and be like, UFC doesn't pay anyone anything. Like UFC is paying better than pretty much everywhere for the majority across the board, right? Like maybe the biggest star in other promotions gets paid more, but for the most part, the UFC is paying everyone about better than anyone else. But then you look at these other sports like the NBA or the NFL or any of these sports that are bringing in billions of dollars uh, that are worth billions of dollars. And these guys contracts are absurd. Like how many Patrick Mahone signed what a half a million or half a billion dollar contract. Like it's insane. So I don't think, I don't think the USC will ever be on like the level of the NFL in terms of what they're paying their, their athletes. Right. Like I don't even, I don't expect that. It's not the same market value. Right. It's just not. And so, but I do think like the disparity is huge right for what the promotion is bringing in and what it's dishing out and and everyone's like well, why don't the fighters just not do it because and it's like i said earlier it's because you're making the most sorry guys you're making the most for that promotion still does that make sense like you're yeah. still making more than you would for anyone else so you're gonna turn down 10 and 10 because it's still 10 times more than you've ever made to fight in your career right, right. so I think that's probably the biggest issue. Um, but, I, I mean, UFC just went public with their shares and things like that. So I think it'll probably get changed around here maybe in the next, like, 10 years. They'll be moved to, to work towards that, which is exciting. You know, it's pretty cool. All right, Cody, we're at it. We're at the, the final segment here, our rapid-fire segment. Five rapid-fire questions, just like a five-round fight. Try and keep it to stuff that's not really about MMA, since we just had a whole interview about MMA. I know you're a South Carolina boy, but born and bred. So I got five South Carolina-themed questions for you here. You let me know when you're ready. All right, let's go. All right. Question number one. South Carolina has no pro sports teams. Who is your favorite sports team, and do you lean more Clemson Tigers or USC Gamecocks? I'm a Gamecocks fan all day. And then my favorite pro sports team was the Minnesota Vikings growing up, for sure. Cool. 
Question number two, what is your go-to spot for Carolina barbecue? Sheely's Barbecue, Chapin, South Carolina, my hometown. It's the best spot. Question number three, what is a hidden gem of South Carolina? Hidden gem, Kiowa Island. They got good golf, good biking, and the beach. All right, question number four. What South Carolina stereotype is absolutely true? That people move slow in the South. That's just a whole stereotype. Everyone moves slow down there. It's crazy. In Michigan, Colorado, it's like I'm living in fast forward. And then question number five. What makes South Carolina special? Uh, South Carolina is special because you can be at the beach in an hour or uh, the mountains in an hour. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if there's many places like that. That's it. That's all I got for you. Cody, thank you for coming on the show. Let the people know where they can find you on social media and any shout-outs you might have. Uh, you can follow me at on Instagram at Cody underscore Brundage underscore. Twitter at Cody Brundage one And, yeah, shout-out Wellbis Labs. You know, they really take care of me. Um, and then my oldest sponsor – Law offices at Timothy P. McDonald. They've been with me since day one. Uh, they've been huge for helping me with my career. So those two sponsors really helped me a ton. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. And let us know next time you fight. We'll have you back on. This was episode 75 of Parker's MMA Show. Uh, like, rate, subscribe, tell your friends. Factory X fighter Cody Brundage, next up and comer. And I believe you're going to stay at middleweight, you said, right? Middleweight, from now on. <laughs> Next up and comer in the middleweight division, look out for him. Parker, any parting? No, man, we appreciate you coming on the show tonight, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. All right, man. All right, everybody. Like I said, like, rate, subscribe. I'm Billy Naden. He's Cody Brundage. He's Parker Keen. This was Parker's MMA Show signing off. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit ParkerKeen'sMMAShow.Podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.